Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? The Galactic Dads Podcast, a podcast by Geeky Dads, talking about all things geek, dad life, I am the father, and beyond. Language. All right, welcome to episode 72 of the Galactic Dads podcast. We're your dad destination for all things geek, dad life, and beyond. Of course, that includes bits of dad advice for your daddy issues. We talk comics, video games, TV shows, movies, and whatever else strikes us as worthy to talk about. And today that's going to include, um, well, I think we're skipping out on daddy issues because there's a lot to cover today. So we're just going to skip that completely. Our daddy issues is keeping up with all the other cool stuff that we're trying yeah, to keep up with. A lot going on right now. Exactly. Uh, but we are going to talk about the latest episodes of What If on Disney+. Plus. We'll talk about Wheel of Time on Prime Video and Netflix's Cowboy Bebop leaks. Deals images look incredible. And, of course, we'll talk about the three big trailers that dropped from Marvel and uh, we got some video game news and toys. We're going to talk. Is Toys R Us coming back? Maybe. Again? Maybe. Jeffrey Giraffe, get in my car. Jeffrey the Phoenix. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, also, of course, we've got some great comics to talk about. We're going to talk about Trial of Magneto number one, which was pretty phenomenal. So we're definitely going to jump into that. Plus, we have a Florida man with us today. Go ahead and say hi, buddy. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Oh, my God. You sound so velvety smooth. I am so happy that you <laughs> took a break from wrestling alligators and eating pancakes on the highway to come hang out with us All right. Okay, okay. That's just, um, you know, Friday through Wednesday. You mean you get days Thursdays off? Thursdays I take off. Okay. There we go. There we go. Okay. Well, we do have a lot to get through, uh, so we're going to go ahead and transition into our beers of the week. So stick with us. I love the beers of the week, don't you? Oh, most definitely. I'm just so happy to get them started. Why don't you tell them a little bit about the Untapped and how you can find us on there? Yeah, come and find us on the Untapped app. If you have an iPhone or an Android device, look it up on your respective app stores. If you don't have an iPhone or an Android device, well, I can't do much for you. Neither can anybody else. Um, the Untapped app is a great way to catalog the beers that you've been drinking. Also, you make some friends on it. It's a good social platform. You make friends. You see what they're drinking. Maybe you get some ideas of what you want to drink. Or you can introduce some ideas to us. Follow us at Galactic Dads. Every beer we drink on every show we record is on the Untapped app. So if you hear us talk about something that sounds interesting to you, come find us on there. Toast us. Be our friend. Share your experiences. And we'll share ours, and uh, we can all get better in the beer world because of it. Yeah, we all get a little drunker and more liver damage. That's cool. That's cool. Speaking of which, Stephen, you are a special guest this week. Do you want to go ahead and share what your beverage of choice is? Yes, yeah, so today I'm definitely um, bucking the beer. I have Maker's Mark with me. Go, um, but going I will hard. Say, <laughs> what's that? Going hard. You know, it's been a week. Um, yes. But I will say, since we are on the topics of beer... I will suggest the Tampa Bay Brewing Company. They have their fall lineup coming out. 
and have an excellent pumpkin beer called Gourds Gone Wild. Ooh. Um, big fan of it. They actually have an Imperial Gourds Gone Wild, which is pretty close to St. Louis's Schlafly Pumpkin Ale. That's pretty. Um, that sounds good. Yes, I'm looking up plates right now. Mm-hmm. It's. I'll take it's the, the breweries five minutes from here. So you guys come on down. We can definitely do it. Yeah, oh, yeah. That sounds like a good time to me. I'm a big fan of Tampa Bay Brewing Company. Oh, yeah. My wife is a big fan of pumpkin beer, so this just seems like a perfect idea. <laughs> it's a win-win. Yeah, man. Your wife and mine as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, speaking of beer, we're actually sharing a delicious one this evening from Good News Brewing Company. Yep, it's Good News Brewing Company, uh, the Perfect Storm American Pale Ale. Mm, it's actually really good. <laughs> yeah, it's not pick, too filling. Picked up a uh, growler of it while I was uh, grabbing dinner before the show, and uh, yeah, it's pretty good. It is. I can back that up. It's nice flavor, nice flavor. It's no maker's mark, uh, but it's it's, it's going to get us there. <laughs> so awesome. All right, so that will do it for our beers of the week. Let's dive in because we've got so much to cover. Uh, but stick around. We've got, we're jumping into TV shows next, aren't we? Yes, we are. All right, so we're going to start with the Amazon Prime Show and Netflix, and then yes. we'll go ahead and jump into the big ones this week. Sounds good to me. You know, have you been watching any good TV lately? I think I've just been mostly watching Marvel's What If. There we go. There we go. Because that's what I've been watching. Yep. Now, I honestly, as time of this recording, we just dropped the third episode, and I'm only all the way through episode two, so those are the ones we can discuss today, very selfishly, uh, just go with what <laughs> I want, okay? All right, great. Glad. Glad that we all are there. On. I got as far as I could through uh, potential spoilers before he was like, hey, hey, stop. Yeah. Stop. Quit stop. speaking. Quit <laughs> speaking. He heard my gun cock and went, okay, we're good. Okay, okay. All right, we're cool. fine. It's cool. Be cool. That's fine. But before we jump into those, I know, Laser Eric, you are very excited to talk about the Wheel of Time. Yeah, so we've got... Um, Entertainment Weekly and uh, a couple other sources have started releasing photo footage and started building the hype train for a couple of shows. We'll start out with Prime Video. This dude right here is pouring a drink right now. Yeah, God I hear bless the, you. I sir. hear the ice cubes too. It's <laughs> <laughs> a refreshing beverage. Don't mind me. Just <laughs> oh, we don't mind at all. Anyway, uh, back to Entertainment Weekly. Put out a piece on Prime Video's up and coming show, The Wheel of Time. For those of you who are not familiar, Wheel of Time is a series of fantasy novels by the late Robert Jordan. I've read all, almost all of the Wheel of Time books, and I can say this without trashing anybody else or anything like that. The Wheel of Time makes the Lord of the Rings books, which I love, but it makes the Lord of the Rings books look like coloring books, like with how in-depth everything goes and how, how deep and how rich the story is and everything. I've been waiting for this TV show for years years and um the first images have come out and they look really good i'm glad to hear Um, that especially since you've been waiting for years (laughs) yeah it looks like it could be a really cool fantasy show for those of you who are game of thrones fans this is probably going to be your next outlet in that realm of uh of entertainment as far as fantasy entertainment goes the show is going to center around a woman with the universe itself is actually centered around um, you know, several things have happened. Everything's kind of cyclical as far as that goes, and it involves the rebirth of 
a, you know, a powerful, you know, powerful male wizard that kind of conquers the world. And the show centers around the women who are magic users. Only women can use magic in this world. I and got it. That it kind of centers around That's reasonable. That. But yeah, it's actually, it's really cool. And, so wait a minute, um, wait a minute. Only the women can use magic, mm-hmm. but there's a wizard coming? Yeah, because the men that use magic go crazy. Okay. No, this this is a documentary, if we're all being honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking before the show, men are wild animals, but either way. True. Um, no, I, I think it's I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see the books unfold in show form. I'm very interested to see what they're going to bring in, what they're going to leave out. You know, anytime you put something on the screen, it's not going to capture everything, but I think it'll capture a lot. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, and then Florida Man, you can help me with the next one. Uh, we started seeing some photos and screenshots from net, a little Netflix project called Cowboy Bebop. Okay, hang on oh, real man. real quick. I am so happy to see Harold taking on a new yeah, Harold and Kumar. Mm-hmm. I'm so yeah. glad to see he's getting ready to go through space and be awesome. Oh my god, yeah. He yes. looks great. All the characters look great so far, even the dog. The the dog is perfectly cast. Might be my favorite <laughs> it's cast. A corgi? I don't know. <laughs> but it's exactly what Ein should look like. You guys will have to help me. I don't actually I have seen a couple episodes of Cowboy Bebop on Adult Swim, a cartoon okay. network. I am not Let's, terribly familiar with the show. However, I do know every time it was on, I stopped and started enjoying it. So well, I imagine that I'll be is, into this. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, good news is it's on Hulu. So uh, yes. I think you can watch the entire series. Oh, really? And you should. And you should. How, yes. how many how many seasons, how many episodes? What, like, what kind of commitment? So like am 21 I episodes, now? and they're a half hour yeah. piece? There's only 21 like altogether. Seasons? Yeah, it's only like two seasons. Nothing too crazy. I can get behind that. Yeah, and there I, was a movie then, too. And there was a movie, and the movie is awesome. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Half hour episodes, I can crank those out in between things. That's good. All right. Yeah, it's um, Cowboy Bebop always makes me think of Eric. Because Eric was the one who turned me on to it, what, 20 years ago or something? Yeah, something <laughs> Whatever like it was. That, yeah. It, I feel like and, Cowboy Bebop is if, 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 you, if you hear people talk about anime and you don't know, like you don't know a good entry point, Cowboy Bebop is yes. your entry point. Absolutely. That's, you know, I would say that's fair. That's a nice, soft entry into the medium. Yeah, it's it's... For my take, I mean, I am very uh, lukewarm to anime. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some that um, that I like. Obviously, you know, Akira uh, uh, and Appleseed, and I, I think my Ghost in the Shell, my type of anime is a little bit more grounded. Um, and that was Cowboy Bebop, and it really opened up a lot of doors for me uh, too observe anime and kind of get into that world a little bit more. It was to it was, Eric's point. It was your gateway drug. Excellent jump. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was a good gateway drug. The The show, I always felt like the show had a really good soul to it. And I, I think that the music and the, yeah. the, the thematic music throughout it really did help that a lot. You guys um, think they'll transfer over into the Netflix live action? Absolutely. Freaking yes. better. I, I really hope so. Yes. I do I, hope I, so. I do. Cause I do remember when I watched that anime when I was younger, I was like, this is just cool. Like, these are mm. cool people. 
Yes. And I really hope that that translates. I mean, how can it not? You know, it's, it's great because we live in a time of these adaptations that are not afraid to be faithful to the source material. And they you usually know, 10, end up being so much better for it, right? Yes. Yes. 10, 15 years ago, I would have been like, yeah, they're going to try to like Americify uh, Cowboy Bebop and maybe take some of the soul away. But I think they know uh, they have to hit um, close to the source material. You know, this honestly, and I'm going to say this to my own detriment, but I really don't think I knew how cool a lot of Japanese culture was because everything that I had experienced that came from Japan kind of got whitewashed a bit or, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of like watered down for lack of a better term. I was like, ah, it's just kind of like weird animation where they like kind of just scream and yell a lot. And then then you get like real true, like just faithful adaptations of it, or it's just directly translated. I'm like, Hey, this is a good time. Yes. And there's still anime where they just yell and scream a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I believe. Is that hentai? Is that what that's called? We don't talk about that on this show. That's that's the after hours. My bad. bad. No, Steve. But yeah, I'm with you, Bryn. Yeah. Steve, to your point, um, we were talking about, being faithful to it and everything like that. It's definitely from the the still shots. When we were talking via text the other day, when the serene shots came out, there were three that really, really spoke to me. The first one was there's a picture of jet by himself and he's kind of, he's kind of hunched over. He's kind of kneeling on the ground, but he's got that look on his face that like that, that, that look that Jet had in the anime, you know what I'm talking about. That almost mm-hmm. like, are you freaking kidding me look. And and the dude that was playing Jet had that look. And then they had the screenshot where you've got Spike sitting on the yellow couch. And the yellow couch is just about perfect to what the show had. And and he's just sitting there lounging on that couch. I'm like, this is this is really they're either they're either showing us the best of the best shots or this is going to be really close. And then that last shot um, that I'm thinking of is the one that I actually pointed out directly to you. It's the shot from the episode Ballad of Fallen Angels after he gets done fighting Vicious in the church. Yes. And I saw that. I was like, okay, I'm in on this because this is going to, if it's not going to be great, it's going to be real convincing. I love that you pointed it out, by the way, because I forget. It's been a while. I forgot about that. And you pointed that, and it just got me excited on a whole other level again. Yeah, that that was the episode the first time I watched the series. Like, I watched the first four episodes. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And then I got to that one. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. I'm going to clear my weekend because i got to finish this. <laughs> <laughs> Duly so. noted. I will mark that down as I begin working my way through the series. Yes, episode five is is probably my favorite or one of the top three so sure. if, if i had to compare it to something would it be fair to compare it to episode four of wandavision yeah okay yeah yep yeah. mark that down marking but that down the show the show plays kind of like did you ever watch the show firefly yeah the show plays out kind of like firefly does i can see that I can except make that more episodes and more of the, you know, more of the Japanese styling and things like that. But, uh, and a lot more, I think the fights are a lot cooler. I'll give you that. That's just my opinion. So, yeah, made for TV space 
cowboy westerns are kind of rough when they're live action, especially in that era. Well, we're going to find out here real soon. Yeah, that's exactly what this show is. So, yeah, Netflix does it better. They do it better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, They've been be doing fine. everything be better. <laughs> All right. So, speaking of doing it better, what if there were different takes on the Marvel characters we know and love so far from the MCU? What if that show existed? <laughs> Guess what? It does. What if? And it's so awesome. So I know we, um, I believe in episode 71, Stephen was with us. We talked about episode one of What If, and that mm-hmm. was Agent Carter, where Peggy gets the serum instead of Steve, and she's just awesome. Uh, so we will forego talking about that episode. Let's focus on episode two, because I really felt that one deep in the Wakanda heart of my soul. Episode two, I, I felt like it had some some kind of jarring qualities to it in the best kind of way. Oh, absolutely. Like, because you sit there and you start thinking, like, there are points in that episode where I was thinking, would the world have been better if it went this way? Kind of. And, I certainly feel well, like... until the, the end. Well, 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 well true. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly feel the galaxy would be better off if it had gone that way. Uh, and just to let everybody know, we will go full-blown spoilers here. And while you're making your decision on whether or not you want to listen to that, which you do, because they're awesome. Uh, but the second episode of What If dealt with what if T'Challa had been picked up by Yondu instead of Peter Quill and T'Challa became Star-Lord. And the episode wastes no time in saying everything would be better if T'Challa was Star-Lord. <laughs> right. Literally everything, except for maybe the soundtrack. And that's it. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Although there are there are definite indications that certain things would not be better. Okay, um, but I'll we'll wait. get to that. I was gonna say, we'll get I'll to wait. That. But okay, uh, yeah. Even Howard the Duck was better. Yeah, Howard. The, it was great to see Howard the Duck again. I'm always happy when yeah. I see Howard the Duck. <laughs> and Seth Green returning for that. Yes, I'm I was, sorry. I was surprised that the number of celebrities that keep showing up on the show even in the smallest of roles. You know, that's actually something, that's a great thing to point out because that's something we should probably lead with. This, uh, the voice actor for T'Challa for this was actually Chadwick Boseman, and it was his last time portraying the character uh, before his, his untimely death. Yep. So this is T'Challa as the voice we know and love the last time we get to hear him. So that was actually kind of a big point of this show before it was, this episode dropped. Yes. And uh, he still, like, he was great. Oh, yeah, he was awesome. Um, and it was definitely now, the T'Challa I, we love. I'm kind of surprised they led this. They didn't lead with this or they didn't end with this. Um, just for it being the farewell for Chadwick, it was interesting that it was kind of tucked in midway through, Is this or not midway, but... Partway through is the uh, second episode. Yeah, it was surprising it did not lead or end. Yeah, I, that's true. Honestly, I think they're going to end with the Marvel zombies. Yeah. That's probably a good point. Because that will also push us just a little bit closer to Halloween. That actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then I understand why they would start with Agent Carter, because that's the first Marvel MCU story we get. Yeah. Is canic, or Timeline-wise, is Steve. So I I get it, but yeah, I not only that, but but episode one with 
with Peggy Carter and everything, that's the most easily believable. That is true. It's the shortest reach mm-hmm. of the three episodes. And, and, you know, like we said, we won't go into episode three, but of the three episodes, it's the shortest reach of any of them. Yeah, well, episode two definitely takes you from the ground to the stars real Very fast. Very fast, yes. And it, it's like a better version of Guardians of the Galaxy for real. Yeah, a little bit. I, I was thinking the same thing. Like some of the, uh, you know, some of the, the character choices and things like that. Indeed. Um, Indeed. Obviously, you don't get Rocket. You don't get Groot. No. Drax is a, uh, a bartender, and he's a much happier man because his family is still <laughs> yeah. alive. That's that right. He's he's ready to take selfies. Yes. But his family's still alive because yes. why? Because um, because one of the members of the Ravagers just happens to be a, a little-known person named uh, Thanos. That's correct. And instead of going on like a multiversal or, you know, a whole universe killing spree, warlord activities. It sounds a lot like genocide. Yeah. Well, no. It's a good plan, though. As Thanos would <laughs> tell you like genocide. in this episode. But instead of going on his, you know, homicidal quest across the, the universe, he, I guess, had a heart-to-heart. He get, he was talked <laughs> down by T'Challa as Star-Lord. Yeah, somebody listened to him, so he decided not to kill half the universe. Which really, I mean, that speaks <laughs> a lot of power to how great just having someone to listen to you yes. really is. Yeah, and it was great to see, um, um, now I'm blanking on his name, uh, Josh Brolin return for that as well. Yes, yes. Josh Brolin. I, as soon as he started talking, I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> like, that was a jaw-open moment <laughs> for me. Uh, I was also surprised to see Taserface. <laughs> yes. yes. And I was very uh, Coming back from yeah, the actor coming from his cameo or his small role in uh, The Suicide Squad. In the, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Taserface was a little bit of a shock. But let's talk about, real quick, before we dive back into Thanos, let's talk about Dejaiman uh, Hansu's character, right? Who yeah. was in Volume 1 and 2 of Guardians of the Galaxy, and you barely even care about him, right? Even though that he's a superb actor, like that character gets almost no screen time. Yeah, he's irrelevant. And throughout the course of a 28-minute episode, his character gets so much more development so much more backstory and love than you could have gotten from the hours long two films right which i thought was hilarious <laughs> which is actually kind yeah. of nice though because it's a character that you know i you mentioned that we don't even know the name of the actual character mm. you know or at least it's not coming to mind i'm sure our fact checker buddy will take care of that for us but um but yeah he got a lot of attention in this episode and uh, actually had a, a presence that we didn't expect after the two movies. Indeed. And one thing that jumped out to me was I remember an interview with the actor years ago uh, with the first Guardians. And he was talking about how he took the role because he wanted to have a Marvel role um, to impress his kids, which I think is this has happened with a few of these actors. He was like, oh, I really wanted to take this because I wanted my kids to like something I'm in. You know, he usually plays a little bit more um, adult-oriented uh, kind of dramas and things like that. And he kind of was joking about how little screen time he got, you know. And, and I was like, well, that's kind of cool that he finally had a chance to 
flesh out the character a little bit and maybe kind of be more of a hero. I mean, his kids are probably older now than a hero in his kid's eyes. Yeah, well, I don't know how much of a hero his kids thought their dad portraying Korath would be, uh, but that is the name <laughs> of the character because uh, he's kind of a lackey of Ronan the Accuser anyway. But uh, I just, going through this quick search to find it real quick, I realized he plays the wizard Shazam in the Shazam movies. Oh. Or the oh, first yeah. Shazam movie. He is the wizard. And as soon as I saw it, I said, yeah, he is. You can tell immediately that that's Dijon yeah. Hansu. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff from him. I don't know how much either of those roles really affected his kids, but I think it. I would, I would be stoked to play any of those. So, very cool. Uh, but speaking of characters who kind of grow and come out of nowhere, how much did you love Thanos in this episode? Absolutely. It's, it's Brolin's such an excellent actor and he has that, um, you know, Thanos was never, Thanos was an intimidating character, but we've talked about it this before. He's a very personable one. Um, there was a lot of charisma and charm there and it was kind of fun to see Brolin lean into that a little bit and kind of make Thanos, um, see this other side of him. I almost would not be surprised if, somewhere in the coming multiverse with Marvel, they end up doing, giving us a glimpse like this you, in the you, real life. And you, the MCU. You, you mean the universe where everyone goes, Thanos was right. That's yeah. this universe. <laughs> Brandon. Oh, I'm sorry. That's real life. My bad, my bad, not to go dark, but that's true. <laughs> anyway. All right. But it was also really cool to see Michael Roker was back as Yondu. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Guardians Volume 1 doesn't make you love Yondu, but Guardians Volume 2 definitely does. Yes. And this was very much an extension of the reason why you love Yondu in Volume 2 is because he's just this awesome blue fin-headed space dad Yeah, that you just really end up loving. Yeah, he's he's almost like... In Guardians, I came out of Guardians 1 thinking like, that dude's heartless, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as that goes. But... It's quite the opposite, which is funny because I look back at Michael Roker's character on The Walking Dead. Yeah, Merle, I was just about to say. And Merle was an asshole. But as much of one as he was, he still cared. And that showed a great deal. Yeah, later on. Yeah, later on in the series and everything before, you know, he went the route of The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. um, You know, you definitely showed you know, you definitely saw that that was a character that as, as abrasive as he could be, he cared. And, and Michael Roker carried that personality into Yondu a little bit too. And I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. Like, you know, in the second film, you can definitely see that's why Quill was so attached to that guy. That's why, you know, that's why Quill respected him. You know, it had nothing to do with the stuff that happened in guardians one, there's a lot of backstory that you just don't know, and then you start to see that unfold. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it's also, it was very entertaining to me to see every time somebody heard Star-Lord, he lived up to, if not superseded, the hype that surrounded like the Star-Lord name that yes. Peter Quill desperately wished exist when he was yeah. Star-Lord in the first two movies. Right, right, exactly. Which I thought that was very interesting because in a way that just proves how capable T'Challa really is 
even without, you know, the flower potion stuff that he drinks for the powers of Black Panther. But, like, on his own, he truly is something special. Mm -hmm. Whether you leave him in Wakanda on Earth or you take him to the stars, like, T'Challa is a game changer. Mm -hmm. And I I loved seeing that explored. Even so much so that when Nebula shows up, who, I don't know what it is, yep, all the way. It's the blue skin. We talked about it. It is, but it's also, (laughs) yeah, it's also the actress, but whatever. Yeah, that too. But she just is so good at being like this, almost like a, like a noir esque lounge singer. Yeah. Right. Like she's almost your femme fatale and you're ready to be double crossed, but then it's a triple, triple cross because we already talked about already. And you're just kind of like, yeah, I love the different types of tropes that they just sample in this 28 minutes of what if story yeah. set in space of all play. like there's just they do so many things well in this episode that until you go back and watch it again and really look at it you you just don't even understand how much awesomeness you're getting yeah that's 100 percent correct because they definitely had the oceans 11 period in there totally you know it's, it's a heist film yes yes yeah. absolutely i love the idea that they that that they explored if one big bad doesn't turn big bad, another one will simply show up in his place. Yeah, the really the cool collector. The really cool part about this is they made the collector look like a threat, which I don't feel you ever really felt in the first two Guardians movies. No, no, the collector was a, a punchline. He's like if, a joke. Yeah, he's a well dressed. I mean, the drip is real, but other than that, Benicio del Toro just showed you some guy who was cannon fodder. Oh, yeah. For Thanos. Nobody has style like Benicio del Toro does. But then in this show, you're right. He shows up. He looks intimidating. When he pulls out his collection of weapons, you start to notice he's got Thor's hammer. He's got Captain America's shield. He's got Hela's helmet. Like, this is not a dude that's playing around. That actually is one of the more impressive things in his collection to me. Right. Was Hela's swords. That he puts yes. the helmet on, and then he could... I forget what they were called. I feel like such an idiot now. Uh, but he could summon the swords, which, in one very simple move, Marvel goes, here's how cool this is. Also, here's how cool Hela's powers were. And this yeah. is how they worked. And they answer, like, one of the bigger questions from Thor Ragnarok that you never got an answer to. Yep. That's why I love the MCU. Everything they do just builds better. Totally. And and this episode to me felt like it was living up more to the premise of what if. For sure. Um, the first episode I enjoyed a lot. We talked about that last week or two weeks ago. I remember now. And um, I enjoyed the tons, but this feels like the what if comic where they take a germ of an idea and kind of just flip the script just a little bit and then watch all the ripple effects go outward. Yeah, it really is the testament to the butterfly effect, right? We just make that one what-if change, and then here are all the changes, and you get to see them fully realized, which was really mm-hmm. fun. The what-if comic, when when we were kids, I loved the what-if comics because they, it was so interesting for that exact reason. They would take the smallest little change... And, you know, there were, there were issues of that book where the smallest little change would end the world. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it, it, there was one where, you know, somebody missed a flight and it ended up saving thousands of people and, mm. and stuff like that. There's so, also one where it's what if the X-Men did not win Inferno? Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially, it's just Doctor Strange and Kitty Pride trying to stave off a demon possession of the world. And Wolverine's right. fully possessed and yeah. like so evil, he's like snacking on babies. <laughs> like that, that was a tough issue. But there was one simple what if. What if the X-Men did not win this battle? Yeah. And they're doing it really well. And again, another testament to how greatly voice casted the show is. Jeffrey Wright's killing it, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Every time he starts talking, I'm just like, yeah, I'm invested. And it reminds me of, um, like, Twilight Zone, the way it's set up a little bit with the narration. and It does. Even, um, even so, the new Twilight Zone, which I guess is over on Paramount Plus now, but with mm-hmm. Jordan Peele doing the narrations and in the opening segments, like, he's, oh, he's killing it, too. But nobody's doing as well as Jeffrey Wright right now. Yeah, I'm a big Wright fan. He's my uh, he's my boy Felix Leiter. So it's kind of um, I was really excited when they announced him as the Watcher. I just thought that was perfect casting. Yeah, I can't wait to see him as Commissioner Gordon. But that's me, and, <laughs> and that's a whole podcast yeah. episode away. So Th- this is also a show that, as the MCU changes and grows, which unless you've been living under a rock, you know it's going to change and grow over the next few years. This is a show that can continue to operate absolutely continue to come up with new and exciting ideas that you know it maybe some of these play into the multiversal things maybe they don't but the options are there and there's a lot of them there are a ton there are a ton yeah and it's a safe way to explore you know like we talk about the marvel zombies right that's something that i think a lot of us have wanted for years and there's also no way in hell that disney is going to green light even a pg-13 marvel zombies oh no um so it's an excellent way to kind of explore that territory safely and then obviously animation you don't have to worry about budgets you don't have to worry about um logistics and a lot of these things and you can uh you know like with captain carter with that episode i think we talked about this last week it was almost like revisiting the first cap by a more confident Marvel. They were able to kind of go back and say, you know what, here's the lessons that we learned. You know, we can lean into the outlandish a little bit more. We know what we are and what we do. And then they kind of went back and revisited key scenes. And um, I think it's a great way for Marvel to kind of revisit their past a little bit and maybe uh, build off what they did. And then also explore these uncharted territories and say, here you go, and not have to worry about being tied down with a however many multi-million dollar budget movie. And while I absolutely agree with you in those points, I think there's one other point that is totally worth making, is that you know Disney Plus is a new platform. It's really only just over a year old. And yes. there's an audience on Disney Plus that sees the entire catalog of the MCU, and it's kind of brand new to them. Like, remind, remember a lot of these earlier movies came out, you know, Iron Man itself was 2008. I think Captain America, the first <laughs> Avenger was 10 years ago. It so was a long time ago. Yeah, 2011. So being able to grab a new audience and show them, hey, here's how a lot of stuff started. Here's how it's fresh. Now, don't you want to go see the original, which 
conveniently is located down in the drop-down menu, <laughs> will suggest it for you. But it's a really smart way for Disney to engage this new audience. Absolutely. Which, by the way, if you're listening, Disney, always looking for a new job. Uh, there's this great podcast <laughs> called The Galactic Dads. We're always looking to engage a new audience. No, but that, I mean, I think that's one of the things that just uh, general marketing appeal, like that's something that Disney is clearly thinking about that just as straight up fans, we probably neglect because we're all there hardcore for everything when it comes out, even over 10 years later. And we don't even realize, hey, how do we get our kids into this? Right. You know, it's so much easier to get the kids into all these live action movies if there's a cartoon first. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Smart. That house and mouse. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. I don't have time to blue flag any other Mickey quotes. Uh, so let's, let's keep it moving. I just love hearing about your problems. Oh. <laughs> Go get those Jonas Brothers. All right, we are going to take it into movies real quick, so stick around. Do you guys remember... Oh, I don't know. It was probably over a year ago, but we did an episode called Trailer Park, and all we oh, did yeah. was just um, the, all the movie trailers coming out, right? Dude, we had so many movie trailers. <laughs> I think for this, I think we're returning to the Trailer Park right I now in this we segment. Are. We're right back to the Trailer Park. Because there is some really good stuff that came out, uh, and even a lot of the trailers we've seen already, uh, but the final trailers have dropped. Yep. And they're all Marvel, baby. All Marvel. Uh, so we're going to start out with Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings because it is, every time I see a new trailer for this, it looks awesome. They even made Razor Fist look cool, which that's damn near a taser face, right? Yes. Like you just want to laugh. <laughs> but then Razor Fist pops out and they're fighting on the bus and you're like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> uh, I think this movie will be everything uh, G.I. Joe Origin Snake Eyes wants to be, but even better. Yeah, I would agree with that. I will. I will. Uh, Steven, you saw the final trailer, right? Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. Discuss. I'll let you guys run it yeah. real quick. <laughs> I mean, it's it's almost hard to add anything at this point. I think we're all very excited for the return of the MCU. Um, you know, I remember when Shang-Chi was announced, you know, there was a muted response. Yes. Uh, it's not the most famous character in the MCU. It's not the most well-known. I think, um, ironically, there was probably more hype around Black Widow at the time. But first off, early buzz for this movie is through the roof. I know some people who've seen this film already, and they're just raving to me in any chance they get about how good this is. Um, I think this trailer and the hype that I'm hearing and everything else is bringing me back to 2008 with Iron Man. It, mm -hmm. it feels like, which is perfect for post-Endgame Avenger, you know, uh, Endgame MCU. It feels like this is kind of really going to be a great jumping off point. You take a relatively 
C or D list Marvel hero, which Iron Man was. People forget that Iron Man was C list hero, mm-hmm. maybe B, but you know it was not maybe what people would have expected to kick off the MCU. And it sounds like they're doing this again with Shang Chi. Um, this trailer is exciting. It has a lot of. I mean, we see like Wong fighting Abomination. We see right. Um, obviously, we're going to get a lot with the Mandarin and the Ten Rings. Um, man, it, it has me hyped for where the MCU is going. I kind of thought that maybe I'd be getting a little, not burned out, but a little cooling down on the MCU. Shang-Chi and everything I've been seeing, it's just reigniting that fire for me. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those movies that's going to surprise people. Like, I, I'm looking at Shang-Chi a lot like I looked at Black Panther. When when Black Panther was originally being hyped up, everybody was like, oh, man, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be so great. It's going to be so great. I'm like, yeah, okay. But, you know, that wasn't really a character that interested me. Um, but I remember when I first saw Black Panther, Steph and I were watching it at home, and I actually paused it in the middle of the movie. I'm like... This movie is so freaking good. And mm-hmm. I I have a feeling that Shang-Chi is going to kind of follow that role a little bit because you've got the obvious the obvious cultural implications and things like that with the Asian culture and things. Um for those of us who are Marvel fans, everything you just mentioned, talking about Wong fighting abomination, uh you talk about the the Mandarin things like that. That kind of stuff is 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 what gets me excited for this movie because I don't know that much about Shang-Chi. However, I do know about other characters and how they tie in. Um, for people who don't know anything, like my wife, like probably your wife, it's going to be an entertaining movie because it's going to have action and it's not going to stop from what it looks like. It, it, it looks like it's going to be a little bit of that Black Panther type of, of you know, where it's going to have that really strong styling, but it's also going to mm-hmm. have a little bit of that Doctor Strange when it comes into that com- the combat and the, and the way that the fight scenes play out and the action that's going to keep it interesting the whole way through. That's nice. No, that's dope. That's an astute way to describe that. That's what I'm looking for in this movie, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. I was checking out the trailer, and it's just really hard for me not to get excited about the movie because of the things you mentioned. Like, this movie has the feeling... Like, Marvel's been really good at giving you characters and stories that you didn't know you cared about. I think a really, really, really good example that we've covered already, and that's Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm Mm-hmm. Nobody, when that movie was announced and, and all that, were really excited about it. I, I mean, obviously, people were excited about another Marvel film, yeah, but I think there were more questions, like, why is that the route you went? And then, of course, we're all pleasantly surprised, look where we're at now. I think Shang-Chi does the same thing, except for, obviously, it's more grounded, and it's much more like Black Panther in the way that opens up kind of a different cultural aspect to it. Like it can, it feels like it stays true to those Hong Kong roots that we yeah. mentioned before, with like that kind of action, like Jackie Chan fighting style, uh, but keeps it very Marvel, uh, which is super cool. Which is great. Which means it's still something new and different. And right. I think every time Marvel makes that turn, it's always very entertaining. I think Captain Marvel is another example of that. Right? Like you have like a, just a solo female lead 
who runs it. It's just an entertaining film. So hopefully they, they strike that same magic, and I think they will. Yeah, if you think of like a crouching tiger meets Doctor Strange meets Black Panther type of thing. I think, I think that's a very good way that's, to describe that's it. Your, that's your recipe for success. And I think the recipe or the, the standard to judge the success will come from box office revenue. Right, because we're still in a pandemic era, uh, but also you're seeing box office returns that are far lower than what they were pre-COVID era. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're, every movie was trying to break a billion, right? Like, that was the standard. Even Aquaman pulled it off, right? right. So now it's, all right, so where are we saying the new standard of? And if this does well, then, of course, we know everything's back on track. And how quick is it coming to Disney Plus? 45 days. Oh, man, that's tough. So, yeah, that's the thing about this is, to your point, it's going to debut, not like Black Widow, day and date. But unlike Black Widow, it's going to be on Disney Plus for no additional charge 45 days after. It's pulling a Mulan. Hmm. What's that? It's pulling a Mulan. Right, that's what yeah, they do with Mulan. Yeah, yeah there was Except, no way I was yeah, going I mean, to the theater is... to see Mulan when I knew it was coming forty-five days later. Yeah, and it's and it's fully part of your subscription. Like I, I paid the thirty bucks to own Black Widow, um, and just watch it at home and then have it. Right, right. You know, owned. Um, but this is gonna be part of your D plus, and forty-five days oh. is not that long. I mean, so it's going to be interesting. To see, uh, to your point, if that eats into the overall box office returns, especially for more casual Marvel fans. Yeah, and I also think that that's a bold choice because, again, what have we been talking about? Shang-Chi is not the household. It's not Spider-Man. I mean, it's not the X-Men. Like, this is a more, like, resting on the Marvel franchise name than it is the actual character popularity. So this that's a bold choice. Yeah, I think there's going to be, um, truthfully, it, again, it's a shame because I hear so many good things about this movie. But I do think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to wait for Disney Plus, either for um, concerns out of COVID or just because, like you said, it's not very familiar with the character. You can save 30 bucks or whatever by waiting a little over a month and streaming in your home. You know, though, that's certainly not to say that we don't want the film to succeed. Definitely we do. Yeah. Uh, and as a fan, I'm probably going to be there in the theater because I'm in, I'm dying for the story. If for nothing else, I want to know why Abomination's in there. Yeah, I'm, you know I'm going to see like, in the theater, too. I, I'm, I'm here for the, the Phase 4 transition. I want to know. But I can understand for, you know, your casual fan, you're right. Dude, all you got to do is month and a half, no problem. That time's going to fly by anyway. Well, you look at somebody like my wife or your wife, my wife or, or Steve, your wife, just... <laughs> they, they probably don't, they, they don't even know who the hell abomination is, you know, so they they don't care, you know, so for them, it's, it's going to be a, you know, a, I'll, I'll convince Steph to go cause I'll tell her I want to go and I'm like, it's a Marvel movie. Okay. You know, and then that'll be fine. But you're going to get a lot of people that aren't going to be that easily convinced to go to the theater for, like you said, whatever choice they choose to make. If they're not comfortable going into public to see it, or if they're just not that interested in it, knowing that they're going to be able to see it in 45 days. I mean, there are 
you know, there are DC movies that I've chosen not to see in the theater because I know I can pop on HBO Max and watch them whenever I want. Yeah, actually, yeah. that's a really good point. I did not go see The Suicide Squad in theaters. No. And I think a lot yeah. of people share this as well. I enjoyed the movie, liked it an awful lot. But because I could watch it in my house, I didn't bother going to the movie theater. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and, you know, that's not the only one. You know, we've talked about Wonder Woman 84. We've talked about other movies, too. I did not go to the theater to see Wonder Woman 84. So you're looking at a business model there that I just don't see being really conducive to box office success. Maybe Disney Plus is figuring the formula out or they're still trying to work it out. Um, I, I'd read a few articles where they're talking about the projections for Shang-Chi in the opening weekend are somewhere around the Ant-Man level, um, which would not be... be great they've got to be way more reserved than that honestly Uh, especially you know with delta variants and and whatever and just how people are but you know if this movie were to only premiere in florida i think we'd be great or missouri right like no one cares (laughs) but there are a lot there are a lot of places in the world where that you know delta variant stuff will be a setback to a lot of people it's definitely possible yes so well, we've got a lot to think about, and uh, the litmus test will be there very soon because I'm pretty sure this movie drops on September 5th. I think I, th- yeah, I thought it was like the third or something. Yeah, it's it's right around the first week. I mean, so we're only, a, I don't know, less than two weeks away. We're eight days away as of this recording. Absolutely. Holy cow. Yeah, yep. this eight movie's days. coming quick. Uh, not to say we haven't had a trailer for a while. Like, we all know this has been on the way. And then November brings us Eternals, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, and we got that final trailer, which let's go ahead and talk about that real quick. Uh, Speaking of obscure characters from Marvel to move with, I feel like the beginning of Phase 4, they're really just kind of plucking out the not well-known characters. I, I have to agree with that. And the Eternals is definitely a base example of that. Uh, so whenever that first trailer came out, there was a lot of kind of speculation, like, what are we seeing here? And if the Eternals have been on Earth this long, why didn't they intervene in essentially everything that right. has been the MCU so far? And this trailer finally answered that. Mm-hmm. That was said, if a deviant was not involved, we were instructed not to interfere. Yeah, I, I liked how they explained that away. Yeah, I also like how they really, um, you know, faithfully adapted the head of a celestial. Mm-hmm. You know, because in Guardians Volume Two we got a celestial and it's ego, mm-hmm. but ego does not look. Ego looks more like the planet, but they just write him off as being a celestial. Right. In in the Eternals trailer, we get the more Jack Kirby based celestial look. Right. You know, like that. Just more evolved Galactus kind of style, if you will. Yes. Uh, so I thought it was that, really cool to see that on screen. That one was briefly seen in Guardians too. They do kind of show them to that degree, yes. Yeah, right. they showed yeah. that particular Celestial. Oh, yeah, with the six uh, six light ports, I guess, or whatever you want to call those on the front of his face. Yeah, he like put down the staff and like devastated a planet. That's right. It was right. very quick. That's him. That's the one we're talking about. Uh, so obviously he's very powerful. He, it, 
is very powerful. Uh, so, yeah, if he told me, hey, don't interfere unless you see this, I'm probably going to listen. Yeah, so I'm going to listen. I feel like that's pretty good. <laughs> Although we do get to see more of the Eternals' powers as well in this final trailer for the movie. Uh, you can see Angelina Jolie do a little bit more, which cool. Uh, but for me, it was seeing Icarus. Mm-hmm. Seeing who's kind of like for the most easiest comparison, he's the Superman of of the mm-hmm. Eternals, right? You know, he can fly, and we're talking laser beams out of his eyes and super strength and all that kind of stuff. So it's really cool to see him flying around because I felt like the first trailer was lacking in Icarus, and and the first trailer was almost lacking in any type of comic book action. To be fair. Whereas this one, it's like, hey, yeah, there's Marvel stuff in here. You're going to like this. Yeah, the previous one was more of a stage setting. Yeah, correct. I feel like this was yeah. more of a show-off, which which is good because, you know, along the lines of Shang-Chi, I don't think a whole lot of people know what the Eternals are or how they fit into this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I think the more information you can give, the more sense it makes. Agreed, and I also think that we, I'm sure you guys will agree. I really think in six months' time, everybody's going to be talking about the Eternals and Shang-Chi like they are Guardians of the Galaxy. Like staples, and household right. names. The, yeah. Yeah, these other obscure properties that Marvel has time and time again proven they can translate. Unless it's Inhumans. Yeah, Inhumans <laughs> is the one nobody really seems to want to talk about because that's yeah. the one that stings. That stings a lot. Which is so strange because if you take a look at the Inhumans and then realize they go, "Yep, that's really not working." Let's just do the Eternals. Then you're kind of like, "You're not going far from the source material." There, <laughs> you guys are really just kind of doubling down on this and be like, "Okay, so if Eternals works, we'll just go ahead and shove the Inhumans back on the back end with a movie." And everybody will be happy. Yeah. And, you know, we probably would be. That's definitely possible. That's yep. definitely possible. Like, so uh, primetime's no good on TV. Okay, we'll, we'll shove a movie in. And then maybe now yeah. they'll just shove it to Disney Plus. Who knows? Yeah. Well, it'll probably have more staying power in Disney Plus than on a network time slot. It's true. And not to mention, everybody knows how primetime TV goes. You're, yeah. you're either sink or swim real fast. Exactly, and that and that's the thing with with the new the new TV model. The at this point, you look mm-hmm. at a show like let, let's be honest. You look at a show like WandaVision that was slow to start. You know, you see you see declining ratings after a couple episodes. What are you going to think if you're a network? Disney Plus doesn't have to care about that. Yeah, we got your money. Yeah, the big mouse Here's what is you good. Get. Yeah, like we're good. This is what you're going to get, and so they can take a chance at revisiting the Inhumans if the Eternals works out or whatever they choose to do if if that's how they choose to do it. They can take a chance on that. And what does it hurt them? You're not going to lose subscribers over it. And, and what does it hurt the viewer? Whereas I might not, you know, oh, crap, i got to be home Thursday at 8 o'clock to watch Inhumans. I'm not going to do that. I don't have time for that crap. Did I set my but, TiVo? Yeah. But if I could pop on oh, Disney gosh. Plus after the kids go to bed, be like, yo, you want to knock a couple episodes of the Inhumans out? Sure. Why not? We've got nothing else to do. Boom. There you go. Now you have viewers for your show. Phenomenal. 
Yeah. There you go. It is. We're solving all the problems right here, right now. <laughs> no, they already solved it. We're just pointing it out. Yeah. Now we're like, well, oh, see it, what they did? That cheeky little it, mouse. And to that point, you know, um, it's funny because this is what I, I write about all day long for work, you know, connected TV. But there are all these services have had um, unbelievable growth in the last year. So Disney Plus is new. Like you said that earlier, that's just less than a year old. HBO Max is less than a year old. But all these services during the pandemic just exploded in subscriber growth. And all these uh, services are now in this incredible arms race uh, where, you know, a year or two ago or a few years ago, it used to be just Netflix and Hulu. Maybe, I think it was kind of it. You know, and since then we've had HBO and Peacock and uh, Disney Plus and all these other services. And they're all just funneling all this money in and building up war chest and doing original content. And yeah, I don't think revisiting the Inhumans or like we said earlier with Disney's um, What If, you know, there's an incentive now to go do all these things because it gets the fans happy and there's such an arms race going on and the market is so heated um and we as the viewers are winning we i would definitely agree that the winners of all of this is definitely the viewers because i can't think of another time in my life where i essentially never have to ask myself what am i going to watch today right yeah that just does not occur anymore the the real winners here are the you know, let, let's face it, the real winners here are the comic book geeks that have been doing this since the 90s and, you know, have been hiding our comic collections in our basement and stuff like that and been reading them every chance we got. Now we can just turn on the TV and turn on any streaming service we want. And we've got whatever option we want right in front of us. Which is so awesome. Yeah, it's wonderful. Which, By the way, I really need Netflix to step up their game with Miller World. Um, Jupiter's Legacy was... <laughs> Could be better. Yeah. Your first foray, fine. It whatever. was good. It but was it could be better. I watched all of it. <laughs> I did. Okay, I was there. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> I, I'm glad somebody. I know Maxwell Lord. I appreciate it. <laughs> but let's be Love better. Let's be. I know. I know. Um, but I was just thinking about. I was like, you're talking about the arms race heating up and stuff, and so much so that Disney is such a powerhouse, and they have this incredible catalog. We're talking Star Wars. Marvel. I mean, like, this is the stuff that makes us tick, right? Uh huh. And they're so effective with it that they might be one of the newest streaming services with just over a year old now. That in their short amount of time of existing, they went from a maybe there'll be a threat to Netflix to Netflix essentially naming them as their top competition because of that growth and that sustained growth in over and in way exceeding any expectations, right? which I think is huge. It's another testament to just how far out of the closet, like geek geek culture has come. Right. Yes. It's almost in fact, leveling out HBO max as well, because think of all the DC content that's over Mm -hmm. at HBO max. And that's before you even like begin to talk about HBO itself. I mean, they still have massive properties and great films and incredible documentaries that, yeah, I'm still a dad. I watch documentaries nonstop. <laughs> and I think HBO has some of the best that there are. So that, that definitely helps them as well. But for me, my biggest draw to HBO Max is all the DC Universe properties have, have moved there. They're, they're, these... Same. I, 
I was gonna say, yeah, I treat my um, Disney Plus as my Marvel world essentially, and and my HBO is my DC, and it kind of feels like the old days of comics a little bit, where I have access to both uh, both ends of the spectrum. I just have to use two different apps. Well, each service seems to have its own kind of universe a little bit. True. You know, back, mm-hmm. you know, to to feed off of your point, you know, Disney Plus has the Marvel universe, has the, the Star Wars universe, HBO has DC. Currently, at least for the next six days, Peacock has Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, Paramount Plus has got the Star Trek universe, which is continuing to grow and things like that. So all of these different services are creating their little world to build their, you know, they, they've got their own sandbox to build their castle in. And, um, you know, we're winning because we get to see all of it. Um, you know, and it's just a, a matter of time to determine who wins. And I, I think, you know, when you look at Shang-Chi, you look at the Eternals. Um, I think a large portion of the reason those movies are coming out is also to keep the Marvel name in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got to, you, we've had a consistent feed of entertainment from Marvel for the past, when did WandaVision come out? Six, eight months ago? Yeah. January, so, February? Yeah, yeah, so since the beginning of the year, we've had a constant drip feed of content from the Marvel Universe. So good. It's oh, been great. Give that sweet, sweet content yeah. goodness. And it, it's only going to continue. And... If if the first three phases of the MCU have taught us anything, it's that even the worst MCU films are still solid and worth watching, at least a couple of times. Do you know what the latest trailer, the last one we're going to talk about, has uh-huh. also taught me? The MCU is now not only ready to tackle their own movies, they're ready to go back and fix the pre-Disney movies. Yes, yeah, <laughs> which I'm just over the moon excited for. Are we are we ready? Let's do it. Let's talk we, about are it. Are we ready to talk oh gosh, about Spider-Man: you... No Way Home? Are we ready to talk about it? Okay, so I'm already ready to buy the Papa John's pizza box. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like I am so in on this movie. I know you guys are as well, but I think I think I'm just gonna let the biggest Spider-Man fan here take the floor. Yep. Makes Steve, sense. Florida man, you want to take oh, this? You guys are too kind. We are. I, I mean, what do you got? There's so much to break down, and it's okay. And we will try to keep this to about 30 minutes or less. <laughs> this is going to be rough. It's, um, well, real quick, before I forget, I just saw um, yesterday that the old Sony, the old Spider Man movies are hitting Disney Plus. Um, yes. Yeah. End of this year? It's about yeah. time. Well, yes. they'll they'll do so, it just uh, in time for Christmas. No way home to drop. Yeah. yeah, the whole MCU aside from the Incredible Hulk now will be on Disney Plus. Um, but yeah, going back to this, I, I it, it's which no words <laughs> like he's struggling loading. <laughs> the loading. craziest part about all this to me is that none of this was really surprising. Well, first off, that trailer leaked. I don't know if you guys saw the leak that came through, but it was like it had unfinished CG. Um, no, I know, stuff, I know that like, Scarlett Johansson leaked that trailer. I know <laughs> that's not news. <laughs> For once, it wasn't Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah but, right. Yeah, but none of us. Same, I actually didn't. I specifically turned my head to all of the leaks so that when I got the official trailer, 
I could see it in all of its glory the way it was meant to be seen. Oh, it was so glorious. It, it, I, the big, you know, obviously the big talk here at the end was Alfred Molina coming back, Absolutely. which we knew Love because it. Alfred Molina pulled the Tom Holland about it. Yeah, he pulled the Tom Holland. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I almost kind of think that that would have been much more impactful had he just kind of in these interviews, but you know, we knew it was going to be a multiverse kind of thing. We knew that Alfred Molina was coming back as Doc Ock. Um, there's so much of this that we wasn't a huge shock, but holy, shit, it was exciting just from top to bottom. It was the most exciting thing ever. I guess, you know, from the top, I cannot believe. You know, you talked about them going back and fixing old Spider-Man movies. They're going back and fixing an old comic arc. Yes, um, they are. Last mm-hmm. di- um, um, I'm blanking on the name now. Um, brand new day. One more one day. More, brand, one more day. Brand new day. Uh, they are probably the most infamous outside of the Clone Saga uh, storyline for Ooh, Spider-Man. That's that is true. And 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 they're doing it. I mean, it, it's. It's remarkable. So for people who are not familiar with the comic arc, it involves Peter Parker um, trying to save, I think it was Aunt May's life. It was Aunt May. And making... So here's what happened. Deal with... Yeah. Here's exactly what happened. I'll give you the timeline. In the comic book, Civil War had just wrapped up. And during Civil War, Peter Parker famously unmasked following Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. And he unmasked for the Superhero Registration Act. He did very publicly... Everybody knew who Peter Parker was. They knew he was Spider-Man, which put his entire family at risk. And the Kingpin ordered a hit, and Aunt May was mortally wounded. And so Peter, in all of his rage, put back on the black suit and beat Kingpin within an inch of his life and told him, if Aunt May dies, I'm coming back, and meant it. And it was so awesome. It 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 was a powerful arc. And then after the fact, all Peter wanted because he was still married to Mary Jane at this time, was for people to forget his identity so that he could save his loved ones, his wife chiefly among them, of course. And so in this storyline, Peter makes a deal with Mephisto, which anybody who listens to this show knows that we thought would show up for WandaVision. Now there's this hope that he'll show up in uh, No Way Home, but I, I doubt he does. He's going to have a cameo yeah. and like Fantastic Four. He's going to be a taxi driver. Yeah, and everybody's going to be like, he's there. But There's anyway. Mephisto. But anyway, so Peter <laughs> makes the deal. Uh, he will give up his happiness for Aunt May's life. But the weird part about this is that the writers in editorial, for some reason, they were tired of Peter being married. And the thing that made Mephisto happy was not to take his happiness, but he wanted to take Peter and MJ's marriage. And they make the deal. Aunt May lives for five more minutes because she was old anyway. I mean, old. I'm so old. She's not the MCU May that we have now. Thank God bless her. I was about to say. Yeah. Uh, Because that one ain't old. She's fine. But um, (laughs) in the comic book, so he saves Aunt May's life. But now he's a bachelor. He's a single guy. Barely knows MJ. Like They know that they had a past but they're not sure really what it is. And, and so now we have years and years of storyline where Peter's single again. And to have them tackle that kind of storyline in the third film of this movie is so huge. It's so, I dare say it, it's brave. Oh, it's ballsy. But, and I mean, oddly enough now, let's fast forward the comic books all the way to today. 
Sinister War is kicking off in Spider-Man. And what they're essentially doing is somebody's either working for Mephisto or fighting Mephisto to completely undo that deal. Mm-hmm. And that is in the comic book right now. The one's being mm-hmm. published monthly. They're revisiting that just in time, which I think is really cool, for No Way Home to drop. So you'll have absolutely you'll have fans from back then, you'll have fans from today, and you'll have fans from the movies, like all kind of really fixated on this storyline, which I think is is just superb. Well, and what's interesting to me is I think this fixes that story by one key point, which is that Peter Parker's a teenager in this. And that's, I think uh-huh, anyone, that's true. Yeah, anyone who's who's married or in a, in a long term significant relationship would look at that comic and go like to your point, Brandon, Aunt May was old. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all love Aunt May, but she was really old. And the wipe away your entire marriage um, for Aunt May to live a little bit longer. I think a lot of people looked at a grown man in an ideal marriage and go, went, that doesn't, that seems very ham-fisted. Yeah, that that seems very forced. Up. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, a teenager going, oh, this is too hard, and I'm willing to make this deal that's kind of... I mean, I, it just it is way more sense, because obviously teenagers are reckless, and I can't, don't think things I can't lose this person who has been my maternal figure right? for my yeah. girlfriend. That makes more sense. Absolutely. And, but that's and also just, not... I, that's not... That's not this movie, though. No. Right? This movie no, no, is no, very no. Yeah, simple. Yeah, it's just like, the teenager can, aspect is... Yeah, and by the way, I saw one single meme that completely fixes this entire movie based <laughs> on the trailer, and it says, "So everyone will forget about me." And Strange just goes, "Yeah, but just tell them again." And then the very next picture is the <laughs> end credits, <laughs> like the movie's I, over, it's done. <laughs> to to your point, I think that's going to be what the film is a little bit. You know, um, I think there is going to be Pete revisiting this idea of. I mean. I, the last few films have been kind of interesting and in how many people have figured the secret out so quickly. Yeah. They, um, it's, it's really weird because you're right. Everybody seems to just pick up on this. Yeah. No, you're yeah, Spider-Man. It's, yeah. Everybody's it's perceptive. Mm-hmm. Very. And, and that's probably realistic, but it's I think. a little anti the character. And I could see Pete, having to go back and say, okay, do I let Aunt May know? Do I let Ned know? Do I let MJ know? Um, and maybe revisiting those relationships and revisiting, you know, is this going to end with Pete being no longer part of the Avengers? I, you know, I, I think there's a very real argument to be made that this film could end with kind of the Spider-Man being an unknown mass vigilante in New York kind of thing. I get it. Yeah, I, I could see, see that. that. Well, because if everyone forgets, that means Happy forgets. And it, without yeah. Happy's support, yeah, he's out of the Avengers. And 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 Tony's gone. You know, I, I think. Um, I I think it's a it it works thematically, narratively for the character, but I also think it's a good clean break for wherever Disney and Sony want to go, because this has always been a tense relationship, right? I mean, it already fell through once. Mm-hmm. And Tom Holland drunkenly made a phone call and got this all smoothed over. But I mean, this relationship, remember a few years ago, it, it fell through again. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always been a tense relationship. And I think this allows both parties to kind of have 
two different avenues, and now they can go back to negotiating the table a little bit. This is actually very interesting um, because before you said it, it never really occurred to me. Peter is interested in making sure that people who already knew still know, right? Well, mm-hmm. if, if he decides or somehow figures out that Ned needs to know, right? Because in the trailer, he says, right. what about Ned? I'm really interested to see if this is how we get Hobgoblin. I took the words out of my mouth. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing. Like, I know, like, obviously, he was one of the first people to discover that Peter was Spider-Man, right? On accident. He yeah. walks into his room as Ned sitting there, which is such a Miles Morales storyline. They plucked that <laughs> right from Miles' story uh, as Spider-Man. Uh, and just because it's such a great scene, right? And so Peter comes he back. He drops the Lego Death Star and we all have a heart attack. Oh, everyone there goes, you're kidding me. Um, but the, now you get to see Ned. And Ned, in this movie, looks like he's being questioned by the police. He's not having a great time. Right. Yeah. right, and one of the questions I have had ever since they introduced the character and said, this is Ned Leeds, I instantly go, that's Hobgoblin. Uh-huh. Their relationship right now is fantastic, even in Infinity War. Right? Oh, yeah. And you're just like, how are they ever going to turn this person into Hobgoblin? And all of a sudden, I watch this trailer, and I see kind of the stuff that Ned's going through. And mind you, it's a teaser trailer, but still over three minutes long. Right, but you only yeah, get a see, long teaser it's trailer. Very, it's, it's incredible. I can't imagine what the final trailer is going to be like. It's going to be like ten minutes of pure amazingness. Uh, <laughs> Bring it! But you see Ned, and all of a sudden you're just kind of like, "Is this where he breaks?" And if yeah. he becomes Hobgoblin, you know, comic book accurate style, is this where he gets the tech? Does he find? Green Goblin tech from, you know, the multiverse folding in. Because you see a pumpkin bomb, which yeah. is very much the Willem mm-hmm. Dafoe Green Goblin, right? Even though you don't see him in this trailer. Uh, however, I would make the argument that you do see him because to me, this Alfred Molina, Dr. Octopus, looks real Goblin-esque for some reason. Like, his hair is a little more wild. He, he's he, a lot less kept up. And there's a little more like green palette to him than what you saw in Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that could just be me projecting this on there, which is very possible. But I also think I might not be wrong. Uh, I've been right before on this show and, and I would love to see it. But uh, I think that this would be a great way for Ned to break. If he doesn't become Hobgoblin, this puts him on the path. Yeah, I could see that. This could also be, you know, when you're talking about he's so concerned about MJ and Ned still knowing who he is and and everything. You know, there could very easily be a scene where after the spell is cast, you know, Peter goes to MJ's house and MJ's sitting there hanging out with a different Peter. Oh, my God. Please be Andrew Garfield. Oh right, but yeah. can you imagine? Like, can you imagine? Like, look at this guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's he doing here? You know, that Wait. and that's the kind of stuff. So you could have Spider-Man fighting Spider-Man, fighting Doctor Octopus, fighting Hobgoblin, fighting Green Goblin, whatever, whatever you want to do. I mean, think about it like this: What is every comic book superhero battle always based on? A misunderstanding. Yep. 
And how yeah. quickly are they always resolved? All right, well, let's fight the true villain here. So you're right. We could get some spider-on-spider spider action here. Yeah. And up until this point, that hadn't really occurred to me, though. It should have. That's probably the second act. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah. Yeah. The spell gets cast. The second act is spider-on-spider spider action, for lack of a better term. I think we just found the title <laughs> of the episode. Spider-on-spider spider action. <laughs> and then the third act is, oh, crap, we got to <laughs> clean all this villain stuff up. There is web everywhere. So we got pumpkin bombs all over everything. It's just weird. Did you guys see Dr. Octopus come out of the goddamn what's water? A, yeah, what's with that guy with all the metal arms? It doesn't make any sense. Can we please kill him? I think he's compensating. But anyway. I, I think, you know, what's exciting about all this, too, we talk about, you know, you're talking about Hobgoblin, we're talking about the Spider-Man, and um, I think the John Watts Spider-Man films in the MCU, the two that he's done so far, have a common per, like have a common um, theme, which is a big twist, usually involving the antagonist. So in the first one, the True. big twist was um, is the girl he crushed on. Um, Vulture being, name. The girl he crushed Vulture on. being Liz's dad. Yeah, Liz. Liz yeah, thank you. Yeah, we just that was a big one. Movie. And then of course, in the second one, the big Mi- twist Mysterio's, all Mysterio. Yeah, you're so, right. You're absolutely right. So far, this film, I think, twist. is going to have a lot of twists. Yeah. You know, the other thing to your point of is that these films so far have done something. These movies have all single, well, not single handedly, they tell the story of Peter Wright, but every single one of the Spider Man films has also had the job of advancing the MCU. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty clear what this movie has to do. It has to bridge the gap between WandaVision and Loki, apparently, to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? Yes. And it's doing that by showing us that maybe it wasn't Loki or Wanda that we needed to worry about for crashing the multiverse. It might be strange. Maybe it was strange. Which, again, you know, I've seen contention of, is this something Doctor Strange would do? Right, like this seems I, out of character for him, and my argument to that is, how do we know? We really haven't spent any amount of time with Doctor Strange. Yeah, he's had a movie, but then after that, he's he's the plot device for Infinity War and Endgame. But you yeah. still don't even spend that much time with him. The I qu- agree completely. And Cox Strange was arrogant. Yes, and very much I mean, so. Yes, Eric. Arrogantly doing a spell that he was told not to do, and then turn around and blaming the teenager—that's classic comics, Doctor Strange. Yeah, that is Stephen Strange. That's also pretty classic MCU Strange. I mean, think about yes. it. Mm-hmm. When he goes to try and find—by the way, he only finds this stuff because he's out of any resort to heal his hands conventionally, right? So he goes and he finds the Ancient One, and even while he's working with them, they're like these are the steps. This is what you have to learn. He's sneaking off and finding, you know, forbidden text and, and working with the eye yeah. of Ag- Agamotto. Like it's very within Strange's, you know, character set and his personality to mess with things. He does not know. And even in the trailer, he says the multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. And that type of is attractive to Dr. Strange. He cannot mm-hmm. help himself. 
And if he could, we wouldn't have had the movies we have so far. To that point, I think they dialed down that character quality of him in the Avengers films because you already had an arrogant, mustached, intelligent hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or I'm sorry, goateed hero. Like, and, I think. And seeing their first Tony interaction in Infinity War it hit that on the head, right? Like you see. Yes. It. And it, I think they kind of dialed that down on Strange a little bit because it would have been too much to have these very similar characters running around in the Avengers film. I still love the scene where they're on on the ship trying to save Strange. It's like, have you seen that classic <laughs> movie, Aliens? <laughs> oh, my God. How old is this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, the question I, came uh, across my Twitter feed last week, and I think I actually, I think you guys might have both been involved in the thread here. You know, we're going to go to the what-if concept. What if when Strange looked at his 14,600,005 different realities on how they emerge victorious and they oh, only I'm, found one i love this question what if that one is not defeating thanos what if that one is defeating kang yeah we jumped oh, right on that thread that's where the what day you oh yeah what from. day you that's right and uh <laughs> that was in reference on accident i think there was a freudian slip to the one more day storyline uh which you immediately picked up on and and here we are from it but what if, you're right, what if it's to defeat Kang and Thanos it was, was just the step to get there? Yeah, it's an I think that's definitely how they're going to position things. That would speak to why Strange would so carelessly cast this spell. Yes. Yeah. Because, Which, I mean, I haven't made the meme yet, but I'm about to. The one where Wong is like, do not cast that spell. And Strange is like, okay, we won't. And then winks at Peter. Like That's like when mom says no pizza and soda. And then mom leaves, and you're like, yeah, we're doing pizza and soda. Like, come on, kids. Because that's what I want to do. Well, it's great, too, because I'm like, is Wong just going off to go fight Abomination? That's exactly what we're all saying. Like, where's Wong going? Well, he's (laughs) clearly going to go do some heavy lifting over (laughs) in the Shang-Chi movie. Yeah, is he going on vacation or what? Like, what are we doing here? I I would say fighting Abomination is not vacation. That's. That's a terrible way to spend some free time. Yeah, that does not sound enjoyable to me. <laughs> he's a monk. Oh, well, that's true. He's yeah. taking a vow of silence while he's getting his butt kicked. Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> I, you know, one of the things I want to talk about real quick is there's a lot of talk on there and a lot of theorizing that we are building towards the Sinister Six. Yeah, um, it is you know, really hard to watch that trailer and not see nods to the Sinister yeah. Six. You're right. Yeah, and, and we know Jamie Foxx is in back. That was surprising to me, actually, by the way, is that we didn't see Electro. But we did see Yellow Lightning. Yes, we which did. Which is more comic accurate Electro, Electro than what we got in Amazing Spider-Man 2. And we also so, saw a whole lot of dirt, I dare it, say it, yes. sand, yeah. exploding and, in front of Peter in that very same scene, which... Yeah. I mean, let's go Sandman, right? Right. What? And I wonder if this means we are going to be getting maybe more comic accurate representations of the hero, of the villains. We're not going to be getting Amazing Spider-Man 2's Electro as we last saw him, this blue translucent. Are we going to get something a little more comic accurate? Yeah, so to your to your point there, that Electro really is much more the ultimate Marvel Electro. Sure. Right. Right. And so when you see kind of the MCU's approach to a lot of these villains, they are 
strikingly more familiar to the 616 counterparts, which is the classic mm-hmm. ones. I think a perfect example of that is Mysterio. When they showed us Mysterio for the first time in the trailer for Far From Home, I thought to myself, dude, they went full-blown classic Mysterio. I can't believe they're doing yeah. this. And I, I think that they've had that success that now they're like, why don't we just do that anyway? Oh, look, here's a way to bridge the gap, which is so incredible. So I really hope that you get a more comic book accurate Max Dillon, uh, who was Electro. I don't actually care at all if they change the actor, um, because in the classic comic book, you know Max Dillon's a white guy, but in Amazing Spider-Man Two, he's Jamie Foxx, so clearly he's he's not white. I totally keep Jamie Foxx. I don't really care about the ethnicity of the character, but if they change his costume back to classic. Dude, I'm stoked. Right, right. I am so stoked. That would be so cool. Uh, And they could do it. I mean, they even made Vulture somehow accurate but updated. Like, like there were parts of him that were classic, like his bomber jacket with kind of like the feathers around the neck. I was like, wow. But then they made him relevant to the MCU. Right. And that one they had to because... Comics Vulture looks absolutely ridiculous. Like if you're being faithful to the he really classic, does. Uh, uh, but to be fair, Mysterio, I dare say it looks more ridiculous than that. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's just but kind of incredible what they're doing. Remember, Mysterio though designed his suit to be um, easily digestible by mass audience. He purposely made himself look campy and ridiculous. Yeah, even within the storyline. Of the MCU, he goes. Now is the time they'll believe anything. Yeah. And re- and remember, don't take it for granted that we all truly believed when we saw the trailer from Far From Home. That was our entry point to the multiverse. It yeah. wasn't. Yeah. Right. So that I mean, that's very interesting too. And I think a lot of people are very simply forgetting that they're setting up for you know Nick Fury's in space. The scrolls matter. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are forgetting that so far as we transition to phase four. And again, that's another Spider-Man movie that's setting up big stuff. Yep. Well, it makes sense. I mean, Spidey is in the pantheon. You know, if you took a, a buddy and I were having a text the other day about who would be on the Mount Rushmore of superheroes. You know, Ooh. who are the characters that regardless of culture or age or background, the characters would be easily recognizable by anybody. Well, Spider-Man's up there. Yeah, Spider-Man. Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. Superman, yeah. Put a fourth up there. You know, I mean... Who's your fourth? (laughs) I think you can make an argument for the Hulk. That was actually Um, going to be my next one. I was like, yeah, you'd throw a Hulk up there. Yeah. Yeah, Or Captain America. Yes. But I think my grandma, you know, or like say you go to um, Laos, or you know, you go somewhere on the other side of the planet, you ask somebody, you show them pictures of Batman, Superman, or Spider-Man, they'll know who those are. They might even be able to tell you a little bit about the character. Um, so I think it makes sense for Spider-Man to be the movies that move the MCU forward because casual fans may miss out on Shang-Chi. They may miss out on Captain Marvel, but they're probably going to see Spider-Man. Yeah, that's true. You're absolutely right. Yeah. that's. The, I mean, Spider-Man was Marvel's flagship character for a long time. Even yeah. even during the nineties when the X Men kind of were were holding it down for them, Spider Man was still 
impossible to miss. Absolutely. Spider-Man, even when the X-Men were at their highest point in the 90s, Spider-Man had crossovers with the X-Men. Yeah, well, I mean, that's standard comic book fairs crossovers. Right, of course. Yeah. You can expect one every summer. Mm-hmm. Here's one last question for you guys, because I know we also have other topics to cover, and I could talk about this all night. <laughs> but Doc Ock, do you think, which is interesting, by the way, I think it's a de-aged... Um, Alfred Molina, but definitely. Do you think he looks great? This trailer. is a villainous Doc Ock, or do you think it's maybe a Doc Ock with sympathetic ties to Spider-Man, kind of like we we knew him to be before the beginning and the end of Spider-Man Two? That's actually a really good point because that was a conflict that was always going on in Spider-Man Two in the movie that, that Doc Ock was originally in. That's a really good point. He could turn into a sympathetic character depending on situations with other villains and other Spider-Men and other what what have you in this movie. I agree with you. Yeah. This, is, this is a really good point. Because for real quick, let's just remember, what was Dr. Octopus's motive in Spider-Man 2? Renewal energy, right? Right. Mm-hmm. He was just simply after his work, which was very spot on yes. for the character, uh, except for he didn't, too. Yeah. he didn't seem to suffer from the um, character flaws of a little bit of megalomania, um, like that type of stuff. He really was like, this renewable energy has to work. And his math was flawed a little bit, uh, and that's what eventually caused him to slide. And then at the end, he's a saving grace. He's the reason everyone survives the film, but him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in this yeah, he trailer, loved Peter. Absolutely. And then in this trailer, though, you get a Doc Ock who comes up out of the bridge some way, somehow, apparently, from how it looks. And Alfred Molina's looking at someone. The trailer leads you to believe it's MCU Peter on the car, but they're all highly added cutscenes. Yes. But you, you see Dr. Point. Octopus look at someone and go, hello, Peter. It's almost like oh, he's man. coming back out of the water, by the way. And he looks disheveled, yeah. too. But he's dry. Yeah, he's dry. And he looks great. Yeah. Uh, but he does. Yeah, we don't know what happened yeah. to him. I mean, the last I mean, time we saw him, he was going he to. Survived. Yeah, he was going to, to the bottom of the river. Mm-hmm. That's the last mm-hmm. time we saw him in Amazing Spider-Man. Or, I'm sorry, in Spider-Man 2. Uh, and then, of course, now we see him coming up out of a bridge. He's dry, but it, it seems to be over water. And he says, hello, Peter. He doesn't say hello, Spider-Man. He doesn't, and he doesn't seem antagonistic either. Right. He's saying hello, yeah. like, as almost to a friend is yeah. how I took that. That's a shocking. And I'm just kind of like, oh, I'm still chills. I know. <laughs> I know it was coming, yeah. and we all did. Uh, I got... The hair on my neck stood up when I saw a pumpkin bomb roll on the bridge and yeah. the explosions. And the arm comes out of the water, and boom, there's Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus. And I was like, ah, goosebumps. That's it. Oh, my God. But I think we have to take a second here to appreciate the fact that the reason that we're all so excited is because of just how 
utterly freaking fantastic Spider-Man 2 was as a movie. Yes. Before superhero movies, before comic book movies were as mainstream and as successful as they are, Spider-Man 2 was the benchmark for a great deal of time. I remember seeing that in the theaters and being like, holy crap, this is... This is something else. And I wasn't the Spider-Man fan, Steve, that you are. But if I recall correctly, you and I saw that movie together at least once. And I yes, think both of did, us yeah. walked out of it like, holy crap, that was amazing. That was It was the I, dark night of yeah. the Spider-Man movies. It was. Oh, sure. It was the Godfather 2. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. And I remember seeing it. One of the times I saw it, I think it was after we saw it, Eric. Um, I was on vacation in Florida, not far from here. And it was raining um, for whatever day. So we couldn't go to the beach or anything. So we, my family went to go see Spider-Man. And I'll always remember my mom crying in the movie, like emotionally touched. And this is someone who doesn't read the comics, who's not really interested in superheroes. And it just, it cut through her. And I think that's a testament to that movie and the character. Are you about um, to cry? And <laughs> yeah, the emotional stakes that it can pull. <laughs> I mean, the, it just, it gets people engaged and involved. And um, it does. Derek's point, you know, honestly, I think the entire Spider-Man films, even amazing Spider-Man um, more often than not hit the mark or came close to it. Especially when you I compare to other superheroes. I, realistically, the Spider-Man movies have been even the, Let's take Spider-Man 3 out of it because I'm going to take Spider-Man 3 out of it. Beyond that one, I feel like the Spider-Man movies, the amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 and Spider-Man 1 and 2 and and the Spider-Man movies we've had so far, of any franchise have been very consistently worth watching. Yes. Okay, I will will concede that point until about the third act of amazing Spider-Man two up until that point. Yeah. Spider-Man's your everyman character and you end up rooting for him because you sympathize with him way more than you do Bruce Wayne and well, Batman and way more than you do Superman Kal-El and to an extent way more than you do Iron Man, Tony Stark. Like mm-hmm. that's not, that's not the real world. These are not characters that any of us can relate to, although they're fantastical and amazing, but Spider-Man dude, high school is hard. Yep. Got it. Dude, life after high school is worse. Uh-huh. Got yep. it. Hey, you going to go to college? Pain bill sucks. Dude, you have to try to do that. Yeah, got that. Uh, you like that girl? I do. Well, that's not going to be fun either. Oh, my God. Okay. Hey, now you have family issues. Oh, my God. I am so on Spider-Man's page. Like You don't, you know, yeah. it's like Spider-Man is the character everyone can relate to. Right. Most relatable, most lovable character and that's why i think spider-man does so well because they nail that that slice of life component of a comic book character that you don't get with the other characters i can see that mm-hmm. so last comment on the incredible trailer so if spider-man 2's kind of climactic moment is spider-man stopping the train right how would Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man feel if he saw Doctor Strange making three trains out of one? <laughs> well, there's three Spider-Men, so... He's probably like, no, yeah. no, bro. Not again! <laughs> I knew I should have booked a flight. 
I'm like, well, that thought crossed my mind. I'm like, is this another reference to Spider-Man 2? Is the train scene, you know, in context, does that make sense? It's a key moment to Spider-Man 2. It really is. I think that might have been when my mom cried. Well, that one that would make sense to me because that just gives you hope in the people of New York. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, at, at a time when um, that's interesting that we've kind of stumbled across this because when was Spider-Man 2? 2002, I think. Yeah, it was 0203, something like that. How bad did the people of New York need to show a bit of solidarity? Right, what whether in real life or in or in film? Well, I remember it was Spider Man One. They had to re they had to recall all so, of the movie posters. So, so Spider Man Two must have been yeah. like two thousand three, two thousand four. <laughs> yeah, and then Spider Man Three came out when Forty Year Old Virgin was out. So we're looking at two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I don't know. We try to forget that movie. Well, they reference Spider Man Three in yes. the Forty Year Old Virgin. Yeah. <laughs> so I I know it's about that time. I want to go see Spider Man. Yeah, that's right, Paul Rudd. Um, so anyway. <laughs> oh, there's irony there. Oh, so much. Ant-Man himself. But anyway, uh, the only Avenger. No, no, I've met two Avengers. Woo, cool. Because I met Paul Rudd and I met uh, Brie Larson at Comic-Cons. That's right. Oh, that's so right. fun. Oh, my God, I miss cons. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's like it's cool that they showed that scene where like the people of New York were just coming together to do the right thing. Right, it's such a huge it's, moment in those movies that you don't really get from the MCU now. No. But we're in a different era. Well, yeah, it was the best subway scene until Invincible. Oh my! Oh, that's <laughs> dark. Oh my god! <laughs> wow, dude! Even the taking of Pelham One Two Three is way oh, better man. than. Oh my god. <laughs> The best subway scene before Invincible. <laughs> so do you, do you? Okay, Steve. Do you think that Netflix will pull off the train scene in Cowboy Bebop? No, that's an Amazon oh, job. No, that's Netflix's I, job. I know, but Amazon will <laughs> will take stuff. Yeah. Look at the boys. Look at Invincible. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. Netflix isn't quite on that level. <laughs> Amazon does have the market corner on. Um, messed up superhero violence. For, superhero that's valid. Fortuitous superhero violence. <laughs> <laughs> Live action or animated. Um, you know, but that's the nature of the content they've got. Oh, yeah. So mm. The Boys is, if anything, a parody of the superhero trope. And Invincible is. That's Robert Kirkman's, hey, this is what would really happen, guys. Let's be real. I have a commentary on The Boys when we get to the comic book session, but. You know what, let's go ahead and get there, uh, because I would really like to keep this episode under two hours. And God, I thought we were already over two hours. Yeah, no, we're at we're at a buck <laughs> 40, so let's keep it chugging. Um, I we keep won't. talking about Spider-Man for a while. I know, I know, but we won't. Uh, we won't, because we don't have that type of time. Right. However, uh, we will go ahead and move away from Spider-Man No Way Home. You know we're going to talk about that in future Cannot episodes. Cannot wait to see that. We're going to continue talking about that till it comes out. And the new trailers, I'm oh, yeah. sure, when they get out. So, oh, yeah. Uh, let's just go ahead, and we're going to move it on to video games and toys.
That's cool. We're going to do the video game and toy rundown real quick here. I'm going to start with toys because it's easy. Um, First thing, I thought this was kind of funny. So Magic the Gathering recently came out with a Dungeons & Dragons crossover, and apparently the next crossover to hit the Magic the Gathering world is a Lord of the Rings crossover. So for those of you who are Magic players, which is probably like 4% of our listening audience, um, you get to uh, you get to look forward to having Lord of the Rings cards and Lord of the Rings lands and things like that show up in your deck. So that's kind of neat. Um, but moving on, um, Steve, you'll find this interesting. Um, read an article a few days ago. Toys R Us, uh, the magical Phoenix giraffe that Jeffrey is, is looking to reopen. Uh, within the next over the course of the next year, they are going to open satellite locations inside of Macy's stores. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Toys R Us will never die. It's no, no. I, I, Toys R Us will never die. But I, I feel like I feel like this is kind of like when you when you go into a JC Penny and they've got like a Sephora and they've got like a sunglass hut and it's like, dude, are you are you even your own store anymore? Here's another example. It's like when um, Kids Are Us moves inside Toys R Us. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> I remember that one vividly. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't know what to make of this, dude. Because on on one hand, and and you've got two little ones, and, and B's got two little ones, I got two little ones, I'm dying for a store like Toys R Us to come back. Because mm-hmm. Walmart, Target, you know, the other places that are selling toys, you're not cutting it. You're just, you're just not doing it. So I would love for a Toys R Us type place to come back into the marketplace. But is this necessarily the right way to do it? I don't know. Gut check says that it seems like it's just them repeating the same mistakes. Um, Macy's obviously has a better foothold in the market, but how many people going into Macy's, I, I guess the back that up, I can't see dragging my kids to the mall to go into Macy's to go to a Toys R Us. There's no way in hell I'm um, doing that. <laughs> you know what it yeah, seems like and, to and me. how is that different from a toy department at any other store? Exactly. You're right. I agree with you there. Because you know Macy's has its own finish line inside their stores. If, yeah. if you go to the shoe department at Macy's, you can find their finish line <laughs> section, which is an, already a whole other store in the mall. Why am I going there yeah, for that? And does anyone even know? That's the real question. It's like JCPenney has Sephora and then Sephora's in the mall. Right. You know, or you know, I think Macy's or somebody, it might have been Dillard's, I don't even know, had Sunglass Hut in their stores for a I while. I think it's Macy's. Yeah, but there's Sunglass Hut in the mall. So now Macy's is going to have Toys R Us as well. You know, is that going to be the only place and how is that going to be marketed? You know what, here's how that works. And this, I mean, it's probably not going to work because online stores are just (laughs) murdering it right now. But if you want grandma to take your kid to the toy store, tell her the toy stores inside Macy's. Kids are there all day. There is a nostalgia factor there that will help them. I'll play along with you to that um, because, like, my parents would take my kids to Toys R Us but my parents have history there because I worked there. 
what's different, you know, and, and yeah, Steve, yeah. I know you're kind of in the same boat there too. I'm sure, you know, your parents or you would, would have the same mentality on that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody's got that. Brandon, you've got a really good point because if, you know, if you've got the grandparents that are already going to Macy's for something, that is an option. But how much of that market are you going to capture doing something like that? I mean, who knows? I don't yeah, think I don't they know. know. I think they're just trying to bank on anything, something. I think they're just trying to get their brand out there. Now, from from what I've read, ToysRUs.com is selling toys again. You know, maybe e-commerce is the game for them. I don't know. Maybe. You know, perhaps I hope for Toys R Us's sake that they're successful because that's a brand that I don't think should go away by mm-hmm. any means. No, it's a strong um, brand. It's a great brand. Um, I wish the stores were still around just simply because the, these other retailers that are selling toys are not doing the trick. Nothing compares to what Toys R Us brought to the table. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, Toys R Us really personified that entire like '90s childhood. I mean, right. They just nailed it. I mean, that's the whole thing. Uh, so it's hard for that to disappear when you have a bunch of millennial parents. Yeah, you've got a bunch of millennial parents who grew up going to Toys R Us, and now they have kids. And, you know, luckily my kids were old enough, at least Logan was old enough to go to Toys R Us with me. He still doesn't understand the fact that they're out of business. But right, that is what it is. Well, I tell you what, I think time will tell. I think time will tell too. It's so let us know. Let me uh, let me burn through video games real quick. I've got a couple of little things to come across. It'll be fast. Uh, it is clearly the year of the reboot, uh, Steve. I think you can agree with me on that. We've got a Saints Row reboot coming, which we're mm-hmm. both excited for. Um, Microsoft announced at QuakeCon that Quake One, Two, and Three are available on Xbox Game Pass. Is that an oatmeal convention or? I don't know, but Quake is awesome. <laughs> QuakerCon. So, QuakerCon. <laughs> uh, on the Sony front, Horizon Forbidden West has a release date of February 18th. So if I don't have a PS5 by February 18th, I'm going to burn something. Um, <laughs> Could be your oatmeal. <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, 2K announced they finally uh, gave some reveals to the game they're working on. Um, it's a new Marvel game, Marvel's Midnight Suns tactical RPG coming out from 2K in March. Uh, it's based off of the platform that XCOM was created on. So, All right, I'm interested. That could be really, yeah. really cool. I'm hoping for mm. it. Um, Microsoft debuted another Halo Infinite trailer. It's coming out December 8th. Um, you know, I'm kind of excited for Halo. I'm kind of excited to see how it goes. Uh, they showed off an, a Halo Edition Elite 2 wireless controller, which I hate you because I've already got one, but now I think I need another one. Uh, let's see. Call of Duty Vanguard is coming out in November, but we're all going to be busy playing Battlefield 2042 because it comes out in October, so I think we're good there, right? Hell yeah. Yeah, I think we're all good. All yeah, right, cool. I don't think I care. Yeah. All right, great. Uh, Steve, is there anything I'm missing, dude? I think you hit it all. No, you missed um, one thing. What one did I miss, big thing. What did I miss? You can be rank- Rick Sanchez in Fortnite now. You can be Rick there Sanchez. My eight-year-old <laughs> son is Rick Sanchez in Fortnite right now. And Boom. he will kill right you now. in Fortnite. At this moment. Right meow. Are you saying meow? 
<laughs> anyway. You see me chasing mice. <laughs> all right. All right. Jumping around all nimbly bimbly. We're devolving into the irreverent movie quote of there the go, evening. There we go. Super Troopers. The irreverent super troopers. Movie, cr- movie quote of the day. There you go. There's always one. And it's always on accident. All right. But I think I think that nails it. Toys and video games, right? Yeah, man. I'm, I'm so. spent. All right. Stick around. We'll be right back with comics. Dude, have you been reading comics lately? Not enough, but I've been reading a little bit. I'm not current. Man, I've had the fortune of checking in with Justin's comics mm-hmm. and being pretty current. Man, there's some really good stuff out right now. Steven, are you up on your on your comics game? No, I'm the same thing. I've been actually going back and reading some um, limited series that have ended already. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so I am like, completely current with amazing spider-man right now so sinister war which has been nuts um but the comic book i really wanted to talk about this week is my comic book pick of the week even though it came out last week let's be chronological with it uh but it's been so good so good uh and it is the trial of magneto number one yes uh that was uh god there's this incredibly beautiful variant art cover by mark brooks Mm-hmm. And it's uh, Magneto holding Scarlet Witch's body. Uh, what is that very famous? Uh, Mary's holding Jesus. Very famous sculpture. Yeah. Incredibly famous. Oh, yeah. I hear something. You know what I'm talking about? Picture it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that that is essentially like how this uh, cover is, is done. However, um, Trial of Magneto is so, so good. Uh, Leah Williams is the writer, the artist is Casey right now, even though they did an incredible job. Phenomenal job. But. Leah Williams is killing it because she's currently writing X-Factor. And if you've been keeping up with the X-Men in the past two years, they're all on the the island nation of Krakoa, which is super cool. That's Hickman's X-Men era. It's been doing really well. Uh, But they came up with a group of mutants who are like the, I don't know, the CSI. Yeah. The the forensic team you call when someone dies in in the mutant world now is X-Factor. And Leah Williams killed it. Like, she is killing it on X Factor. It's such a great book. And then for the Trial of Magneto, also knocking it out of the park. The point of view stuff that they showed in Trial of Magneto, number one, because I was reading it before the show, mm-hmm. um, the point of view stuff that they showed was just so interesting, the way that it was put out. It, it, you really got to see kind of everybody's that was outlook. A gr- that was a great way to say it. When you say point of view, you mean each different mutant on the island, yes. their point of view. Yeah. So essentially the, not synopsis, but the premise of the book is at the end of the Hellfire Gala, uh, they found the dead body of Wanda Maximoff, uh, the Scarlet Witch, who, if you're an X-Men fan, know that she's probably not everyone's favorite person because after the events of M-Day and Decimation, she uttered the simple phrase, no more mutants, and decimated the entire mutant population from a couple million down to about a hundred and something. So she is not some way that the mutant community cares for. So when they discover her body murdered on the island of Krakoa, 
not everybody even really cares. Right, right. It's it's a pretty minimal reaction considering isn't that the that's the first murder. Isn't it? Uh no, the existence of X Factor immediately negates that it's the first murder. Um I think it's the first high profile high murder. profile murder yeah. to the international community yeah. on Krakoa. Mm-hmm. Because Charles Xavier has to tell the Avengers Guys, I have terrible yeah. news. The Scarlet Witch died on our island, uh, and she was murdered. Uh, but the the story progresses very, very neatly, very cleanly. You get to see a ton of different mutants' point of views. You get to see how the different mutant teams, X-Men, X-Force, X-Factor, handled the investigation. And then you get to see Magneto's reaction. Yes. Because Magneto, for a long time, was the father of Wanda Maximoff and Pietro Maximoff, mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver. Uh, very recently, it was revealed that he is not actually their father for reasons, whatever, and that Wanda and Pietro are not mutants. Right. So, when a non-mutant dies on Krakoa, meh, they don't really care, <laughs> except for Magneto cares. He cares an awful lot. Oh, yeah. Um, he was very passionate about his conversation with the council the quiet council yeah uh, which is the ruling body of the island nation so there's a lot of oddly enough dare i say political kind of stick points to this Mm -hmm. uh, both international and within the politics of the mutant nation so this book really hammers a lot of stuff forward we're talking geopolitical relations we're talking um you know a morality issue of if a non-mutant dies on Krakoa should mutants care right which is kind of a big deal and then also you have kind of damning evidence that is pointing towards Magneto himself as the killer although given his reactions I don't know that I would I don't believe him as a killer but the evidence does point in a certain direction and last but not least it is another comic book superhero death event issue. So Scarlet Witch, yeah. who has the ability to alter reality itself, somehow was murdered. Right. How does that happen? So it's a really cool kind of whodunit mystery that they're spinning up here, and I 100% am on board. If you are familiar with you know the X-Men series within the last two years, or you aren't, Either way, you're a fan of Scarlet Witch because of the MCU stuff. Correct. Or you're just a fan of X-Men in general. This is a great jumping on point. Yeah. Yeah. That's it? Yeah. That's I it. mean, yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I, it, it, the things that stuck out at me were the things that you mentioned, plus the, you know, you could tell the emotion of various characters throughout that whole thing. Polaris, Quicksilver, uh, Wolverine had a, had a nice little blurb that we were talking about at yeah, one nice, point. Yeah. And there's also a great scene where Magneto grabs Mr. Sinister by the face. Yes. That I just thought was was pure fire. Yes. But all right, that's it. It, Go read it. Go read the comic. You'll be glad you did. Mm -hmm. It is our pick of the week. All right, so that is it for comics. And listen, guys, we're going to go ahead and transition right over to our Patreon shout-outs hit you up with our outro.
Hey guys, my favorite part of every episode, it's because we get to give a little gratitude to our Patreon followers. I was just about to say, I bet it's the Patreon love. I love our patrons. Yeah. Love them. Big shout out to our patrons. Uh, our patrons are special because if you go to patreon.com slash galactic dads, you get the opportunity to be a part of the show. And uh, there's even the level where you get to be mentioned on every single episode of the show, and that's the producer level. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about those beautiful people right meow. Uh, obviously, we start off the show with the OG. Uh, the that original, is the, the original, original Patreon subscriber. article Patreon subscriber. The man's got class. The man's got style. The man has geek cred for days. Yes, he does. Of course, we're talking about Keith Jefferson. Yep, Keith Jefferson. Absolutely. The original, the first producer level Patreon. The Thank first you. patron at all. Yeah, first patron at all. Uh, he's been supporting us since day one, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, rocking out the Galactic Dad swag. I've seen it on social media. Mm-hmm. Self-described geek. Great mm-hmm. dude. So You got it. Yeah. You got it. Then Cheers ne- to you, sir. Next up, we've got Special K. Special K. Special K is exactly that. He's special. And we appreciate him from day one. Of course, he would tell Jedi John that he's to up his bowling and golf game. Well, But if you wanted to hear him talk to John specifically, you can always listen to them on the Force Dyad podcast. Uh, it's a sister podcast to Galactic Dads, and they cover the awesome Star Wars-centric news. So if you're into that, definitely go check them out. You can find them on any podcasting platform. But not to mention... Special K is an awesome dad. Yes, he is. He's a good dude, and uh, he's into those Legos, and you will always find him at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, so we really appreciate him. Spending some of that Lego money to be a Patreon <laughs> supporter, that's huge. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And building off of the Legos, not mm. to uh, coin a phrase or anything. But, well, you know, uh, bricking can't be easy. Bricking cannot be easy. Our man, TK31788 of the 501st. Uh, our next Patreon producer level. Um, he will tell you, and he won't be shy about it on Instagram, he will tell you that bricking ain't easy. Uh, this man knows his Legos. He's a great, uh, great dude. He's uh, He's been to the cons with us before, and he's helped us out. He's a self-appointed Galactic Dads fact checker. Which is fun. Yep, I'm that sure is. we keep him plenty busy. That we do. <laughs> that we do. So, of course, we appreciate TK as well. We also appreciate Azure Laser. I mean, he's our man. He is our latest producer level uh, patron subscriber. He just got his box of goodies shipped out to him uh, this past week and was be, was able to rock the Galactic Dad hoodie. Which oh man, he looked great in. Oh man, looked wonderful in. Uh, of course, he is a hardcore gaming guy, and he is just an all around cool dude. And we really appreciate his support. And then, lastly. We have our I Love You 3000 level patron subscriber. I mean, that is, that's a limited number of availability slots there. We, we only uh, have 10 of those slots out there. Uh, but at that level, of course, you get everything, all of the awesome merch. We're talking hats, hoodies, shirts, stickers, uh, and the access to be on the show. Yep. Uh, so you hit that level. It's a good time. And, of course, we're talking about our big, lovable friend, Joe Perezident. Uh, Joe President is an awesome father. He's a huge comic book nerd. Loves to cosplay as Bane. 
uh, at any of the conventions. Oh, no good. Yeah, oh, he's got a great setup, too. <laughs> uh, he was Bane one year, and the next year he was Darth Bane, and he did a little. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, so you can check those out on his page over at Joe Peresident on Instagram or whatever, or you can listen to him talk because they run the Comic Comic Shop Couch podcast, which is a lot of fun uh, to listen to. They are so full of energy, and I love all the guys over there. Uh, especially Joe president. So we appreciate his support and the support of everyone else who is a patron level producer level and above member and any level really. Yes. Thank you all. So very, very, thank you for your support. And you have all definitely earned this level of applause. And if you're on the Patreon and you haven't been, what you know haven't been listening we do offer patreon after hours shows where you get to see the unedited you get to listen to the unedited episodes some of the special patreon only after hours episodes we did the ama a couple of episodes ago that's correct we have an unedited after hours version of that as well which digs a little deeper into some of the more um racy questions questionable questions yeah. if you will <laughs> yeah definitely uh, adult yeah. themed uh, and if you're not a Patreon supporter, um, go check us out, patreon.com slash galactic dads. Uh, first level starts at three bucks. You get all kinds of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We start out with, uh, we start out with free swag on the very first level. It's none of that our eternal gratitude. If you do this type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you send us any type of monetary support, we send you stuff. There is bang for your buck. No from matter the what jump. your buck is from the jump. Uh, and it only gets better from there for sure. Very good. So definitely check that out. Uh, but listen, we really want to let you guys know we appreciate you for listening to the show. Uh, and as we finish these beers or these Maker's Marks, if we're Florida men, uh, we say cheers and we thank all of you for listening. And, uh, you know, I know we said, but please remember to like, follow us on whatever platform, hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button that helps us out. It's huge. Almost as helpful as when you rate or review the show. I mean, that's definitely massive, especially over on Apple um, or anywhere else on, on Spotify and where you might be listening to us. You know, definitely hit the follow, subscribe, uh, leave a review. It's super helpful. And, uh, you know, if you can, share us. Share us on those social medias. And if you want to follow any of us on our social medias, just hit up the show notes, uh, which you know where the button for that is, and you'll see all of the handles. But uh, anyway... Check us out on that patreon.com slash galactic dads for that bonus episodes and exclusive content we were talking about and the chance to get your hands on merch. Uh, But till the next episode, listen, we really appreciate all of you for listening and we want you to keep on doing the dad thing. Cheers. Cheers guys. Cheers.